When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Saturday Night Live, and now as a special treat on our first show, musical guest Andy Kaufman. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of love stories. Today we are taking a look at Man on the Moon by Milios Forman. But before we troll an audience by reciting The Great Gatsby in its entirety, I am joined by a special guest, Simone Salas. Simone is a talented comedian with accolades spanning from his political satire show on Comedy Central Italia to his voice acting career on hit animated TV shows. Or you can catch him on his podcast, The Sim Show. Simone, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Such a flattering intro. Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you for coming back. And we're talking about a movie that you want to talk about for a <laughs> while now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it was definitely one of my favorite movies growing up. Mm. And uh, at this point, I think I just like Jim Carrey in it at his craziest <laughs> because all of those movies, you know, part of the Truman Show, mm-hmm. the Journal Session of the Spotless Mind. Yes. And this movie that we watched today, Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. So that was before he did Truman Show. That was before he did Eternal Sunshine. So this kind of like propelled his career towards this style of story, which we're going to get into. So before we get into Man on the Moon... You said this was a childhood favorite of yours. Mm. How did you first hear about Man on the Moon? Growing up, I think I was, when the movie came out, I was 13 or so. Oh. And uh, my mom and dad just recently divorced. So my mom was trying to learn how to be a good single mom. Okay. And she took me and my, I was 13, my brother was about seven. Mm. She took us to the movie theater and she's like, let's see what's 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 there, what's playing there. Oh yeah. And it was she's, she picked it, it was like, Oh, that's that's a movie with Jim Carrey, it must be fun. Let's go watch that. <laughs> so thirty year old me and seven year old me walk into the movie theater watching 
a movie about Jim Carrey mm-hmm. playing an out of his mind character <laughs> pretending to die a bunch of times and mocking people <laughs> and then dying of a real terrible disease. Yes. And he was fantastic. And my mom, we just came out and she was like, oh, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I remember thinking that he was very good. I, mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand it, mm. but I was fascinated by this character and eventually mm. became obsessed with it a little bit. Yeah. And that's how I saw Man on the Moon by my mom thinking it was uh, the mask <laughs> or or Ace Ventura. Right. And uh, no, it was not. Yeah, because for me growing up, I loved Ace Ventura. I loved the mask. <laughs> sure. Like my VHS tape, I probably wore it out because I watched the mask so many times. Mm-hmm. But my mom probably knew better than to take me to see man on the moon <laughs> uh biopic Mine didn't she was just too <laughs> right i mean because you look it's like he's on the poster it's like oh jim carrey must right. be a funny movie yeah and for a 13 year old watching man on the moon i could see why it would be so you know engaging and like thought-provoking because like andy kaufman in his you know satirical way is hilarious to a kid especially because he's so wacky and weird and odd that when a kid watches that, it's like, wow, that's this is entertaining. I remember explicitly being surprised. I couldn't conceive that you could mock people to the point where they mm. do not know if something is real or not. Right. And that was the part that, that destroyed me and just made me reconsider. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a second. Is this funny? Is this evil? Is this cringy? Is this real? Uh, and and that's the part that I loved about it. Okay. But I think it's definitely one of the of the reasons why I started to like comedy. Even okay. though you mentioned satirical and everything. Mm-hmm. Before we dive too much into Kaufman, I, I don't think that was necessarily his intention. Really? I think yeah, you know, I think that this person can we talk about Kaufman a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about him. Um, well, yeah, okay. So just to put this in context, Andy Kaufman, imagine that you have a friend who constantly pranks you yeah. and everybody they, they know around them. Yeah, we all have that one friend. Right. There is. <laughs> we always have that situation. It's like, wait, is this a joke or is this real? Just imagine <laughs> that done to you for 20 years <laughs> in every possible situation, even when you get sick, yeah. over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, that is what Andy Kaufman did as an entertainment to the American public. He played the uh, fake misogynistic character in wrestling. He mm-hmm. played a fake foreigner. He, play, he pretended to be sick. He pretended to be. He pretended a lot of things so much that the audience was always confused, and he <laughs> he kept blurring the line between what is real and what is staged. Um, the guy hired people to pretend that a lion escaped in a zoo, right in Chicago. Run, in Chicago, yeah, and to run it because Bob's mood, I think, was originally from Chicago. His partner. Mm-hmm. And they hired it and they just had this actor running at the, at the zoo and going like, oh my God, the lion is good. And, and that wasn't real. It's a little bit like uh, the evil version of Improv Anywhere, yeah. Improv Everywhere, whatever mm-hmm. it was like a few years ago on YouTube, like, mm-hmm. you know, this improvised, which were actually not improvised. It was like carefully staged events. It was called Improv Everywhere and it took months to prepare them. Of but, course. <laughs> um, so that is the character that Kaufman, that uh, doesn't even portray. He was more of an entertainer in mm. that sense. I don't think he was necessarily looking for the laugh like a comedian. In fact, many, many times the game of this character, and this is a biopic about mm-hmm. this right. actual entertainer person who was 
on TV and on stages, his game was actually the opposite of getting people to laugh. It was to get people confused and get people mm. angry and then win them back over again, over mm. and over again. It's like, I'm okay. going to do something terrible. You don't know what happens. And then I win you back and I go, I apologize this time. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be real. And then you fuck them over again. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it is. Like he did that over and over. He was on SNL. He was in uh, Fridays. He right. was, he was at the Carnegie Hall mm -hmm. doing his own show. You know, so that's what, Man on the Moon is this, it's from the R.E.M. song, right? The Great Beyond? Well, The Great Beyond is another song that R.E.M. wrote for the movie. Oh. But the, if you believe they put a man on the moon, oh, that's, that's right. the actual like song from the 1980s oh, that okay. then titled the movie that Milos Forman directed with, mm. with, uh, with Jim Carrey. Okay. So Andy Kaufman. Mm -hmm. So prior to you watching Man on the Moon, you never heard of Andy Kaufman. So this no. was your introduction to yeah. the man. Yeah. Did Andy Kaufman, because you said like, this was such a influential movie for you. Did Andy Kaufman, did you take cues from his postmodern deconstruction of comedy no, into your all. own no. thing? No, 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 not at all. I don't think okay. anybody did. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I am literally, enough. it was just, just the way that that movie has influenced me. And I think many people, what I take from that is do your own thing. Mm. Do not worry if something is funny or not, just follow right. your interest and your take on things for however surreal it might be. Mm. It, 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 and I think that kind of comedy, if you want to define it, comedy is many people mention or know the Eric Andre show. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's so crazy. It's so fresh. It's so new. Well, Kaufman did that. It's There is clearly something right. going back to Kaufman. And Monty Python even, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, you say Monty Python ripped off Andy Kaufman? No, 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 no. That's <laughs> absolutely not. Um, it's It's, you know, the same kind of surreal approach to the medium, mm -hmm. uh, TV in this case. Mm -hmm. And I am positive that, you know, many people are influenced by Kaufman in finding an original approach and their own approach in something, not in emulating Kaufman. The moment you emulate Kaufman, you can't. You right. just can't. You're just, just, just you, it's impossible. There is not going to be a person singing Mighty Mouse and then doing the <laughs> lip sync on stage, of very emotional of just one line right. or one verse. Um Kaufman himself, uh, I have not read this anywhere, but I am, I can't be a hundred, so I'll say I'm 99.9999999999% sure yeah. that he, growing up, watched this other enter entertainer, not comedian, called Ernie Kovacs. Okay. Ernie Kovacs is this guy, radio guy, mm -hmm. that started to work on TV as soon as TV existed. Mm. And in the 50s, he had a show on ABC, the Ernie Covet show. And it's crazy. It's one, it's a show that is a mistake that it's on TV. I think nobody <laughs> could ever be produced like that ever again. It's just because they didn't know what TV was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They were trying to understand what can you do with this thing. Yeah. So Ernie Covet got a show and he was totally melting the, the line between real and surreal in the format. The, the oh, opening wow. titles, the the news and information report and, and framing merging into one sketch and another. And sometimes an episode would just be 10 minutes of an opera singer with overlaid images on top of the other. And, and the sets would, would just blend into, I'm sure that Kaufman 
was wow. growing up when this okay. was airing and you know yeah. it, it, there is so much of Kaufman's approaching in the wow. Ernie Kovac show wow <laughs> I mean because like you grow up watching that type of stuff of course that's going to model who you want to be and what your style is so Simone before we go any further into Man on the Moon you know what time it is it's time for some elevator <laughs> pitches <laughs> Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So Simone, today I'm going to have 60 seconds on the clock. All right. You are going to pitch me the entire plot of Man on the Moon while avoiding major spoilers within one minute. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. Imagine that the childhood friend who makes pranks all the time grows up <laughs> and keeps doing that over and over and over again. Uh-huh. They pretend to die. They <laughs> pretend to fight. They go on national TV and they do that not to you anymore, just as cool. They do it to America, the whole country. <laughs> Imagine doing that and then you die and people are not sure if you died or not. And okay, that character is played by Jim Carrey, uh-huh. who is a huge fan. Uh-huh. And... Playing this guy in a biopic, Jim Carrey realizes that he and this character are the same, that the universe is one and the same, that there is no Andy Kaufman, that there is no Jim Carrey. They're just the same under different masks. And that's what the movie is. The movie is uh, blurring, blurring the lines between reality and fiction, characters, masks, pranks, and reality. And it's fucked up. Oh my God, with two seconds to spare. <laughs> I don't know if I convinced you, but you know, it's an awkward movie. Just right. watch it. Yeah, it's it was such a ride because like this was my first time watching Man on the Moon, mm, and yeah. what did you feel? Oh my god! Within the first like ten seconds, like mm-hmm. it's it's just like a static shot. Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman comes on the screen, and he's just like talking directly to the audience, and he's like, "This is the movie," and now it's done. No, I'm being serious. It's done. And then the credits start rolling up the screen. Yeah. It's a movie that starts with the end credits. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. it actually shuts off to, to a black screen. For about 10 seconds. For about 10 seconds. So you're in the movie theater in the total black. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Just imagine being 13, right? You believe it. It was like, oh, right. is, the, is the movie actually done? <laughs> After 10 seconds of silence. And then Jim Carrey pops back and you're like, no, I was kidding. <laughs> it is not. This is my life. Yeah. Rearranged for artistic liberties or what, mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. however he put it. Yeah. And... Yeah, I was like going into that, and that being the first scene, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is going to be a very different movie. And I do have to say, like I said earlier, it's quite clear that Andy Kaufman is a postmodernist. Like, he's deconstructing what it means to do comedy. And Jim Carrey is playing this character, and he's deconstructing what it means to do a comedy film. Because he's playing with the media. Absolutely. Again, if you start from the question, what can I do to engage and entertain people. And this happens, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is, is a question that Kaufman has throughout the movie. They show, it, it's a biopic. They show him as a, you know, as a child, right. playing, playing with characters, how mm-hmm. to do the, listening to radio, watching TV shows. They show him growing up as this weirdo <laughs> comedian, yeah. doing acts that are surreal. Mm-hmm. And 
And people don't like it at first. They, they're like he's at some comedy club in New York in one of the beginning right. scenes, and like he's totally bombing it. Like he's on stage, he's singing about the cow goes moo, the pig goes oink, like trying mm. to like get a sing along going. This <laughs> is what I do. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So it's weird. You gotta get used to that, mm-hmm. and that's how it goes. One of his most successful characters is the foreign man. The foreign mm-hmm. man is this guy that that speaks a little bit with an accent like me, but <laughs> but on but on purpose, not naturally like I have. <laughs> Just gets on the stage, uh, so it's there, and nice. <laughs> that's what it is. Right? Okay. It just comes off my mouth like this. But Andy Kaufman is the character, <laughs> and. He gets on stage and he pretends to be this foreign character. It's like, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I would like to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, President Jimmy Carter. So he, he, you do this for five minutes and he commits to character mm-hmm. pretending that he actually cannot speak anything, that he comes mm-hmm. from this country, that right. this island that that doesn't exist anymore, was swallowed by the water for right. Caspia. <laughs> and he speaks about that. And you do this bit and then you do it for another three or four minutes and people start to understand and in a and have compassion for you and laugh at the fact that you are totally stupid and mm-hmm. can't do anything you are just can't land a joke and mm-hmm. so you're playing the character it's it's a it's being fully committed to the character right. and then surprising the audience he would do this this bits as the foreign man they can't speak and it mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden i'd like to do the impressions i like to do <laughs> to me Jimmy, Mr. Carter, yep. thank you very much. <laughs> I'd like to do one more impression, Elvis Presley. So it turns around and and then he commits to a f- an awesome impersonation right. of Elvis Presley and people mm-hmm. go like, oh, it was an act all along. Mm-hmm. So he wins them back. So there is an art to that. Mm-hmm. It is this real one. And you just handle the audience, tricking them. And sometimes as a parent, like you commit right. fully to the character. And that's what Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman have in common right. because Carrey is also so fully committed to being an asshole method actor right. Right. Uh, that doesn't get out of character for a year. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, and you and in preparation for this episode, I watched the Netflix documentary. Mm, Jim and Andy, the Jim Great and Beyond. Andy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. You know, that's, that's, uh, there is, yeah. So Carrie spontaneously sent the audition tape to Milos Foreman mm. to take up this role because mm-hmm. Kaufman has been one of his, one of the legends influencing him. In, yeah. in, like an idol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he spontaneously like became Andy. That's the point of the documentary to the point where the family members of Kaufman got really emotional around Carrie mm. and you know everybody who knew him Milos Forman got frustrated because because Carrie pretended to be Kaufman so much on stage yes. that put off tantrums <laughs> and yes. so, like alienating Milos mm-hmm. Forman too yes so that's the commitment that Kaufman had and you can see in Carrie so throughout the movie you see how Kaufman is committed to creating these characters and inhabiting them fully one is the foreign man yeah the other one is tony clifton oh tony clifton and then there is also the villain in wrestling yes okay so this so the villain in wrestling i think he went even further than tony clifton we talk about it tony clifton Mm -hmm. briefly just like las vegas Yes, lounge singing guy that <laughs> smoke a cigar when he was like off of off stage yes. singing, offending everybody. Mm-hmm. But 
at some point when wrestling was still believed to be real and there was <laughs> a, well maybe not to you but i you know at some point it wasn't a hundred percent clear there wasn't stage or theatrical I, I, I loved how jim carrey playing andy kaufman said during the movie it's like they're ballerinas and yeah. if you look at wrestling i'm sorry wwe fans but it's, it's muscle ballet yeah it's these very jacked up dudes yeah, i don't think anybody's hiding that now. yeah they're not yeah. actually wrestling they are performing stunts in real time yeah. and that's a feat of itself but like come on it's not real yeah <laughs> yeah and now it's ob- yeah now it's obvious right and right. it was obvious like as a kid i remember watching i was like is this real <laughs> but it's just like i had this thing like oh who is this right um yeah, he watches that. Kaufman, mm-hmm. Carrie as Kaufman goes like, this ballerinas. And he was <laughs> taking the time of their moves, stage and theatrical of these wrestlers are in mm-hmm. the ring using the congas, which Andy Kaufman oh. was obsessed with. So he was kind of playing this, okay. this congas in perfect timing with the wrestling moves. Wow. Congas that Kaufman owned after a Nigerian musician visited his high school what? He got passionate about congas wow. and he started to own congas. Okay. Andy Kaufman's congas, which are present in many, many bits that he does yes. at the Carnegie Hall mm-hmm. um, and in also on TV, are were actually owned by Jim Carrey, who bought them before doing the movie. So, so those are the real congas. In the movie, in the movie. no. Oh. No, those are props, I think, okay. because I watched once... If you look at the videos, Andy's congas are white. The mm. ones in the movies are wooden. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's still wood, but you know. Uh, different color. Yeah, different color. So regardless of the congas, uh, you know, um, yeah. and the, those gave the rhythm and Andy recognized the rhythm in that. Mm. And he deconstructed a little bit. It was like, mm. okay, this is like theater. There is characters. There is the villain wrestler. There yes. is uh, the job he always loses. Yeah. And the guy. The hero challenge, wrestler. Yeah. The uh, challenges. <laughs> and he had this power, him and Bob Smuda, his mm-hmm. co-author, to convince people to commit to bits that yes. nobody else was aware of. Mm-hmm. And that would take it on to an extreme mm-hmm. for over a decade. <laughs> for over a decade That's so crazy. yeah Kaufman starts to to impersonate this misogynistic wrestler he uh-huh. goes I'm only gonna fight women because he yes. sucked <laughs> so he's just like, like because women are inferior whatever like misogynistic he is, he's the first intergender that, wrestler <laughs> right right I'm the first intergender champion <laughs> of wrestling he was clearly mocking everybody mm-hmm. he was mocking the wrestling at the time, whatever the name of the thing was, it changed twenty times of the wrestling things. Right, and and he was mocking uh, misogynists. Mm-hmm. He was he was mocking those who make fun of women mm-hmm. by portraying a bad character who offended women. You you know right. you can't confuse what the real person thinks mm-hmm. with the character. Right, which which happens less and less now. We just confuse them and attribute the characters. Yeah. First, somebody's another topic. Yes, and he committed so much that people actually believed he was yeah. a misogynist. Yeah. And like his agent was like, stop, stop with this wrestling stuff. (laughs) I mean, who knows, but like he really committed to that, you know, misogynistic character. Yeah. And he started to stage also with Jerry Laurel, Laurel, Lawler, Lawler. Thank you. Very hard name. Um, (laughs) For me at least. Um, Who was this famous wrestler at the time Mm -hmm. to have, 
an ongoing like feud between them so they would just challenge each other offend each other off of stage on stage eventually Lawler destroyed him on stage and goes like you can't just go after <laughs> women and yeah uh, Andy was apparently had was wearing a brace to his mm-hmm. neck. He had injuries, suffered injuries. Mm-hmm. He was really offensive to Lawler, yeah. and they went on to the Dave Letterman show. Yes, and and the, in theory <laughs> they wanted to apologize to each other publicly. They were both sitting next mm-hmm. to each other, but they start again to argue. <laughs> And again, a fight breaks on yes. stage with Dave Letterman, end mm-hmm. up having the coffee thrown at him. So for over a decade, it yeah. was not disclosed that even at, <laughs> during the Letterman show, mm-hmm. Lawler and Kaufman were friends. They yeah. planned this together. Yeah. So That's much that Lawler is in the movie. That's a peculiar yes. thing in the movie. In the movie, yes. many, many, many people who work with Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. The entire cast of Taxi yeah. is is back from uh, Friday. Danny DeVito, yeah. yeah, Danny Danny DeVito, yeah. They either are present as themselves mm-hmm. at the time, or they swap roles. Like right. Danny DeVito was in Taxi, but mm-hmm. actually plays the role of George Shapiro yes. and his manager, mm-hmm. Bob Smuda, professional partner of Kaufman, is in the movie also. Yeah. As yes, oh. yes, as a producer. Oh, um, okay. Lorne Michaels is in the movie during really? SNL. Yeah, Lorne Michaels, oh. when Andy goes on SNL and bombs and, and behaves badly, <laughs> Lorne Michaels actually is in the movie in the role of Lorne Michaels oh, okay. uh, from SNL, like announcing, right, asking to the audience if they want to see Andy again, who is controversial at that point or not. And you can just go on. Everybody is present in the movie mm-hmm. in one form or another, swapping roles. Paul Giamatti plays Bob Smuda. Yes. Bob Smuda plays a producer. So just imagine being yourself playing another character <laughs> while Paul Giamatti plays you. Yeah, that's movie. a little trippy. <laughs> I would be flattered, but that that's a little, a little odd for that person. Mm-hmm. So he was super committed to the character, and that clearly is what influenced Jim Carrey. I yeah. think the commitment and the exploration of what you can do to entertain people with your own devices, not emulating somebody else. Right. And speaking of that, so I watched Jim and Andy first before watching huh. Man on the Moon because I wanted the context of what was going on. Okay. And watching that entire documentary about the making of the movie like that's like a, an entire movie in of itself, just like 
Jim Carrey being Andy Kaufman. He's no longer Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is on vacation. Mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman is, you know, on set, off set. He is Andy Kaufman 24-7. And going back to Jerry Lawler, like you said, Jerry Lawler, you know, being a friend of Andy Kaufman. So he was involved with the movie Man on the Moon. And he plays himself. And what was interesting in the Jim and Andy documentary is that, so since Jim Carrey is emulating Andy Kaufman to the best of his abilities, he is only going off of what is on TV for Andy Kaufman. So when Jerry Lawler got on set, Jim Carrey was antagonizing Jerry Lawler to the point where it was like, he was kind of like being a bully (laughs) to this pro wrestler. And like he got pissed. He he got very pissed because like he was like like me and Andy were friends. Like (laughs) this was all like an act that we were putting on. We didn't actually hate each other. And Jim Carrey was it's very interesting that he misinterpreted that doing his version Mm -hmm. of Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he wanted to push yeah, you know. You're still emulating somebody, no matter how much you channel it, and no right. matter what mystic experiences you have. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember doing the documentary, so that Carrie was, it, it, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. which I very might, very well might not, Carrie, who had been going through this existential crisis of doing absolutely nothing and growing a very long beard. Mm-hmm for a few years which turned white and and his plasticky face just started to have Jim Carrey's plasticky face just started to show wrinkles right and and this way stress you can see that Carrey just stares into the camera (laughs) this crazy eye like and now I just live with the fact that I don't exist (laughs) and try to live every day (laughs) with the reality that I don't exist and I go oh okay Jim is Jim. Jim is having a hard time. Just like, ima- <laughs> or he's selling that. I don't know. Right? Because like, imagine. I mean, he could be trolling too. But like, imagine from his point of view, where he method acts to the point where he's no longer Jim Carrey. He's either Andy Kaufman or Tony Clifton, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother level because like Tony Clifton was Andy Kaufman's character, so he's playing Andy Kaufman, right, who's playing yeah. Tony Clifton, like, and then. When he's, you know, when the movie wraps and he's done with Andy Kaufman, he's himself. Well, who is he? Because he's been this other person. Like, Jim has been on vacation. Like, his entire life has been put on pause. And then when he comes back to his life, Jim Carrey's life, he's like, what? Who am I? You know, what is this? I think that is one of the main points and reasons to watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Beyond the pitch. Yeah. It just blurs the lines between stage and real to the point that it makes you, the viewer, ask, is this real? Wait, what is real? What do I decide is real? Do you and I agree this is real? So is it real? And who is this stage? stage, Who is this play for? Mm -hmm. So I think that Andy and Carrie, when he was doing that, they were not playing for the audience. They were playing for themselves. Okay. I think that that's kind of the point. Kaufman was playing the jokes for himself, mm. not for the audience. Okay. Because, and this is real, when he, part of the deal 
of joining the sitcom Taxi, which he hated, yeah. he totally hated, was that ABC would give him a special. Mm -hmm. And he had carte blanche on that special. He could yeah. do whatever he wanted, however he wanted it. One thing he requested to do at some point during the editing process, and this is in the movie, mm -hmm. is that they artificially lowered the quality and simulated an interference on the TV signal yeah. or the picture during goes the show. Up. Yeah. The picture goes off sync. So yeah. you know all TVs just start to have the picture rolling through the screen and there is static and there is a noise. Back in the day. <laughs> so Kaufman was like, just put a minute or two of that. Or I don't remember what was the duration. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait, what? You want him to think that there is a disturbance? And it's like, yeah, because it's going to be funny. Yeah. Because people are going to get up. Yeah. And they're just going to bang the TV on the side. And you're like, oh, this is all, I paid a lot of money for this. It doesn't work. And that joke is not, I mean, it is for the audience. If it's a very sensitive audience, it takes a second. Mm -hmm. But that joke is for yourself if you do it. You, yeah. You're bending the rules for you, for your friends, not for the audience so much that ABC's executives were worried about the and they're like, but people are going to think that ABC sucks, the signal sucks, they're going to switch channel, we're going to lose advertisers. Mm -hmm. And Kaufman was like, well, <laughs> right. but that's the art and that's the experimentation. And that's kind of what like Ernie Kovach that I'm saying, like he earlier could do. Yeah. Because we were not at the point where they knew what alienated the audience or not. So he had like much more freedom than Kaufman or anybody even now had. Like now even less. You could never ever do a thing. Or right. if you do, it's like, you know it's going to happen. Like the Eric Andrew show, you know that it's going to be like that. So you don't, <laughs> you know, there is no chance yeah. of real confusion. Like, oh, is this real or not? We know it is not. Because at this point, it's clear. It was a new medium back then. Uh, I, I think they did a nice thing. The first time I visited in Chicago was over 10 years ago. It was 11 years ago at this point. And okay. the day before leaving to go back to Rome, yeah, I walked in a store. And again, I was really passionate about this movie. And as I walk in this store, which sold video games and CDs, okay, on the wall it was a folder with Jim Carrey's picture as Andy Kaufman. Mm. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, what is this? I, I mm -hmm. picked it up from the wall and opened it. And it was just, you know, the press kit from Man on the Moon. Oh. And inside there were a few papers and a small seven inches, 45 RPMs vinyl from the REM, not from REM, sorry, a, a red vinyl given to the press and just pressed just for the press, not on sale. Okay. And... I only played that a month ago after 11 years of owning it. Really? And it's the Mighty Mouse song, which opens the movie, and it's one of the most famous <laughs> catches. And I was listening. I was like, oh, cool. They put the Mighty Mouse song. <laughs> I wasn't, I hadn't watched the movie in a long time, and I didn't think any of it. Did you lip sync? I did lip sync. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to my husband, who was not amused. was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, and... Uh, at some point, <laughs> the the vinyl just stops. And for a second, I forget what kind of product I was using. <laughs> and I go to the vinyl and you're like, this vinyl is broke. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> oh, he's funny. <laughs> still got you. <laughs> uh, they got me. But I thought it was a very thoughtful um, little move and funny uh, for the press conference to do. You know, Carrie was there in character. 
and then get oh. Jesus died. It's like I wonder how many people from the press went home and played the vinyl and thought, "Ha ha ha, this was smart." <laughs> Probably nobody. <laughs> you know, there's just a handful of these things around. Right. But you know, that's the kind of wow. joke that now it's like, "Ha ha, funny." Mm-hmm. But you know, do it 50 years ago. It, it wasn't that discounted. It was actually provocative. Right. So, like with the TV show that inspired Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. like that was, like you said, provocative back then because mm-hmm. TV was a new medium and like he was playing around with it. He was like, oh, it's being surreal. But if you do that now, it's like, nah, like that's not really that provocative. So, like, you getting that vinyl, that 45, putting it on, like, say, like, back in the day, 20 years ago when this movie came out, if anyone even had turntables. Right. They're making a comeback. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's, it's even better if you play that vinyl 20 years later. <laughs> in the moment it was expected, 20 years later, you forget. Um, there right. is kind of a long term thing, you know, given the character that we're talking about, it's a biopic. So Kaufman at some point actually gets sick. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He gets sick and his family, his friends, the audience, they do not know if it's if it's a joke or not. Right. But this guy has been pranking the public for a long time. His entire life. Yeah. Professional and, career. And yeah. Is. So personal relationships did not know if he was sick or not at first, which prompted when he actually died, many to believe that it was a hoax. So... Tony Clifton, uh-huh. his secondary character, as you say, he just impersonated this guy. He kept playing after he died. And occasionally there is still Tony Clifton's like performing in really? Vegas or LA. Okay. Yeah, or in New York, just popping up. Um apparently <laughs> Bob Smuda, his partner, kept playing Tony Clifton <laughs> to mud the waters uh, after he died. There is still a small chunk of people believing he didn't die that believe that some point Kaufman after 30 years is gonna pop out and go like gotcha (laughs) a very long prank and um when when Trump was elected in 2016 Uh I don't know if you have seen it actually a meme started to go around I was like oh okay there is still hope in the world what there was uh Andy Kaufman walking out of a suit that look like Donald Trump's exterior body, like like shedding off skin. Okay. So the meme was just that it was Trump was just Kaufman with makeup and disappearing for twenty or thirty years, <laughs> and playing the character of Trump for a so, long time. <laughs> let's play with that. So unfortunately, Andy Kaufman died of lung cancer. Yeah. And say he were to fake his death. Yeah. Say he were to fake his death to the point. Where becoming the president of the United States. He becomes the president of the United States and then I think that's the time to call it off. <laughs> when you get elected, you just go like, gotcha. Uh, but what if that happened? All right, you you like this. And Bob Zamuda is Mike Pence. I think Bob Zamuda can't fit in Mike Pence's suit. <laughs> but like what that would be would that be the yeah, greatest be awesome. hoax in human history? I mean, yes, of course. There's no question about it. <laughs> You go from a Long Island kid playing with Howdy Doody to sensation to pretending to die for 30 years to becoming the president of the United States of America. Yeah. I think, you know, well played, sir. Uh, Just, uh, you know, I would be very, very 
very very happy if that happened to be true i would just just be delighted um and really worried he mm-hmm. would just show a bunch of flaws that we have in any possible system <laughs> and conceptually be, has humans. But yeah, that would be so Kaufman-esque is to just deconstruct it's a very hard everything. Off, man. But if he were to, <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, it would. Uh, <laughs> it really would. Uh, again, and you have to reconsider every democratic system because it allowed for that to happen. Right. Because it's fun. <laughs> However, you don't necessarily want to have that. I at least I, for how much I love it, the idea of it, I do not necessarily want this to be possible. <laughs> I do. I don't. Um, uh, yeah, I just like to sleep uh, and feel safer, at least the pretense of doing so. You want so, some sort of stability. You don't want the curtain completely yeah, ripped yeah, away. Yeah, no, you don't want a little bit of a curtain. Like, yeah, a little bit of a curtain, it doesn't hurt. Just a little bit. Right, because... Yeah, you don't want to break the fourth wall that much, otherwise it becomes right. boring. You'll end up like Jim Carrey, who saw behind the veil, and he's like, oh my he God, society is all yeah, fake. Sure. Because it is fake. Existence. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm a dream of the dream, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, I get very suspicious of people talking of a dream in a dream. Oh, Inception. If, that, if, that's, if that's the case. Yeah, you know, if, if that was the case, it's like, ah, why is the dreamer talking about the dream? Mm, mm. Uh, suspicious. Right. And, you know, so I'm happy that Jim Carrey recovered and now he really enjoys playing Dr. Robotnik. I feel <laughs> like that is, a, that is a sign that Carrey is doing fine. It's like, now I can play the evil <laughs> guy in Sonic and not be existentially. Or he wants money. Uh, yeah, I think that's the. I think that dreams still need money, and you know, dreamers still like to yeah. pay for giant villas and places to <laughs> and life. You know, I play who? Right, Doctor Eggman. I'll Whatever. Do it. Whatever. I did everything I wanted in life, so I might just do shit now. Okay. Might Ham well. dial crank to eleven. Let's do <laughs> <Yeah>. this. That's <laughs> so weird. Jim Carrey as Doctor Eggman uses a couple of Japanese words throughout the movie pronounced <laughs> wrong and I'm like what? <laughs> out of the blue man in the English like in the, you know it was there omoshiroi like omoshiroi means interesting in Japanese yeah. but he's just saying omoshiroi and that was the only Japanese word for like an hour and a half anyways um, maybe the you, director was like yeah, go with it yeah whatever just do whatever you want <laughs> it's Jim Carrey you're Jim Carrey you're probably the best part in this movie <laughs> it's just a big product placement for coke and pets <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. And Sega. <laughs> and, and yeah, whatever Sega can get out of anything at this point, they're going to be happy. So going back to yes, do not Sega. Uh, the death hoax or the theory of right. the death hoax. So I saw that when I was researching about this movie that, you know, after 30 years, there was a theory that he was sure. going to come out of hiding. Yeah. But then, I mean, I really thought about it and I was like, there's, there's no way because like his family was devastated like he wouldn't put his family through that for a joke like haha for 30 years you thought i was dead like no way it seems to be mostly a thing that's muda and other people around kaufman Mm -hmm. you know try to keep selling in 2014 there was a book coming out saying like the truth finally about andy all the truth none but the truth is gonna come out (laughs) and he had an upper limit of 30 years on coming out and mm-hmm. no, it's going to end that it didn't happen. The LA coroner's office uh, re-released when that book happened and 
times and times again yeah uh that, that certificate saying he's buried here he actually died this was the body is like it, you know there mm. doesn't seem to be any doubt about that sorry i would really love for that to not be true but you know um there it seems to be the case unless he was really majestic and in which case i'm happy to be wrong uh <laughs> about it uh, just like chapeau sir uh, right. well played so much for the fact checkers <laughs> but <laughs> so speaking of his death i do want to touch upon the ending of the movie because i think it mm. is very thought-provoking for the charlatans for the psychic surgery thing right okay. so like this entire movie was one giant love letter to andy kaufman and mm-hmm. like i think he would be proud of it like if he were to be alive and to watch it and getting to the ending of the movie you know he is diagnosed with lung cancer he never smoked yet it's a very rare mm. version of it so he's going through all these chemotherapies holistic therapies and Any- yeah he got palliative radiotherapy i think at the end yeah okay. anything anything he could do to stop this cancer from spreading to the point where his final option was to go to the philippines because he heard mm. there's a miracle down there so right. there's this miracle psychic healer and when i saw that i'm like oh no psychic surgery yes you know um, we don't know how it went and but the movie seems to be very 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 faithful to what all the people around mm. kaufman remember so in real life he performed he then flew there had this psychic surgery thing which is now proved to be a medical fraud right and came back and I was like, I feel better. What they show in the movie is Carrie Kaufman getting on the table of this remote place. The doctors there pretend to touch his abdomen as they take some intestines of a chicken. Yeah. With because- the right hand and, pre- and, you know, pretend to have those come out of him. Kaufman's abdomen. Yeah. Yeah. And and in the movie, Kaufman sees this trickery and starts laughing maniacally. Mm -hmm. And that it's basically, oh, it's a prank. (laughs) The prankster got pranked. The prankster got pranked on a very important thing that is actually about his his life was depending on this prank Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it was a prank. And so he started to just laugh as the movie tries to go full circle. In theory, it's open-ended, but practically it is not, I, mm. you know, because it actually shows that the prank get, get caught up, the prankster. Yeah. And so it's kind of a closure. The funeral scene where Andy has this recorded message mm. with a sing-along and a tiny <laughs> bolt. Yeah, jumping on the on the lyrics <laughs> yes. on screen, sing with me, it was very uh, bittersweet, mm-hmm. and something like that actually happened in in a show in a special that Kaufman played, and that is a song that he sang, and really? it was yes, uh, late show of his, so that actually also is fairly faithful. It was just re replaced, re relocated in uh, as the funeral scene. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it it's blurry, right? The movie itself ends with Tony Clifton performing after Andy's death. That's right. why it's open-ended. But that actually happened. That was Bob mm-hmm. Smuda mm-hmm. doing it. So even there, nothing is a secret about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it's open-ended as the movie might be. 
but it's just an exploration of that blurred line between what do you think is real what do you think is not real can we just laugh about it right i didn't interpret it as open-ended mm. as you did i thought it was like this is closure and now we're celebrating this man mm. afterwards in the comedy store in la which is now closed unfortunately yeah Remember the context mm-hmm. when, when, yes, you and I interpret it as not open-ended. At the time, people didn't know for right for a long time. That and is some true. Still don't believe it. So at the time, he was Andy's death was open-ended. At the time, even articles of newspapers were like not sure that if it was a prank or not. That's crazy <laughs> to be that well known to be a prankster. And then, like, you legit die. Yeah, the joke. And people are here. like, I don't believe it. <laughs> Honestly, that's a good way to, you know, to have it at the end is if that's your thing, you just go like, oh, success. People don't know. <laughs> I had that sentiment when Michael Jackson died. Because, like, there is a theory that... Oh, oh, he's alive with Elvis? Yeah, like, there was, sure. like, this was, like, a hoax. Like, I half expected, like, him to pop out be like, oh, I'm back. This is my new album, Back from the Grave. No, I think, but you then, know, yeah. if you pretend to die to that level, you just do it for if, I don't know. You probably, unless you're Kaufman and wait 40 years to come back, <laughs> I think you do it to really disappear if you're Michael Jackson. It's just right. because you just want to be in peace and mm-hmm. take your propofol and <laughs> fall asleep. Yes. It, it this didn't mean to be offensive. It's just like, you know, if you get to the point mm-hmm. where you need to take the medication to just sleep like that, such a dangerous one, then right. you, yeah, you, if you disappear, it's probably so you don't have to take that medication. To <laughs> get away from all the stresses from the world. Yeah. Well, yeah Andy Kaufman. This is a joke that I think is funny. And Bob Zamuda. Only them two. What is? Any, like a lot of their jokes, like in the, yeah. the movie touched upon, cringy, it's like, yeah. You like this is an audience of you two. You think this is fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. It's a great fucking time. Yeah. Because you just explore what you like without the pressure of what artists think, right? Right. It's full of terrible jokes, the movie. Mm-hmm. After he gets diagnosed with that, <laughs> this show is like, and Santa, if they, when they plan this show, and Santa is going to come down from like on stage, <laughs> and kids are going to go, uh, Santa. Why did you bring me this year? And Santa's gonna go cancer, and you're like, oh no, no, let's not do that. It, it's pretty bad, but you know, it's the kind of joke it's that, like oh, a little too far. Yeah, okay. a little too far, <laughs> even for Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about the whole movie. Now to end the show, we like to do one reason why. What is the one reason you'll give somebody to watch Man on the Moon? If you want to see the story of somebody who played and, and pursued his own drumbeat until the end and beyond the end, and how that influenced great characters and performers and humans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And Jim Carrey. Then this is a great movie to watch. That is wonderfully said. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Going off of that, other than being a love letter to Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey perfectly personifies the essence of Andy Kaufman. And this is a great movie to be acquainted with one of the comedy legends of recent history. So that would be my one reason why. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Man on the Moon by Milos Forman. Please check it out where it is available. And now, I would like to take a moment to thank my guest Simone for coming out to the show. Thank you, Armand. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming. If you'd like to hear more of Simone, please check him out on his podcast, The Sim Show, on your favorite podcast app, or visit his website, simone.org. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform, at Syndicate, that is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have questions or film recommendations? Please send us your emails to info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Ciao. Tell me, are you locked in the pond? Andy, are you good?